Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. On this episode, I sat down with the Adeshope Olajide, a broadcaster and entertainment personality with experience in television, panels, live events and radio. Over the last 15 years, he has been at the forefront of promoting African culture, being at music, fashion, film and dance. Adeshope has worked for Vox Africa UK, Sports360 and BBC World for Focus on Africa and is a radio host on the Beat London 103.6 FM. We discuss his journey in the music industry and working closely with Afrobeats artists like Yemi Aladei. He breaks down how his passion and dedication has opened doors for him, the importance of finding your tribe, his favourite memories in the music industry and more. So let's get into it. We move? Yes. Yeah. We move. We move. Yes. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the new episode of the Dreams and Money podcast. And today I've got a special guest. You know, usually I say I've got a special guest. Yeah. yeah but yeah, this one yeah. is really special. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's always is, tough. You know, the broadcaster, radio presenter, TV host. Live events host, the host of the Afro Beats podcast, overall entertainment personality. Come on, the energy god. Listen, Ade Shope. Listen, also known as Shopsy Doo. That's <laughs> definitely the best intro I've had in the last twelve months. Really? That definitely, <laughs> without that, arguably the last couple of years. To be honest with you, oh. nobody's gone through all of that. Um, so yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank yeah. you very much for having me and yeah. a fantastic introduction as well. Oh, good. I love that. And thank you for coming. So happy you're here. Nah, listen, um, one of the most important things to me is when I meet people that we connect, energies connect, and I see what you're doing. You know, thank I see you. what you're doing. You came on my podcast. You, you listen, set up the studio yourself. <laughs> the camera made sure everything is in point, on point. That just that's the energy that we need to be supporting nowadays. I think we haven't done that enough when it comes to us as a people. And yeah. once we once we identify that, regardless of where it's coming from, we try to you know move close to it and support that energy. And that's why I'm here. Thanks for having me. No, of course, of course, definitely. I think when you find people that you connect with, um, and not just in terms of like interest, but just as people, yes, it's yes. a beautiful thing. Yeah. And like the more you, again. If it just so happens you can collaborate work wise, then it's you know it's absolutely perfect. Yep. And we share the same birthday, so it yes, was just like yes. icing on the cake. Oh, I feel like yes. that that was that that's what yeah, made that it just solid. Like that okay, the, the connections for a reason. This is a tribe. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're you're you know you understand what it is or what it feels like to be a Pisces. You know mm-hmm. the amount of dreams we have. Yes, creatives um, create constantly creating and and selflessly working for other people as well yes. really not putting yourself at the forefront of for things. other people yes and and i think we're we've gotten to a position where we've realized that it's time for us to yes it's cool to to be selfless and 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 work for other people but it's also important now to take our talents to the front and you know, elevate whatever it is that we're doing and follow our dreams. Yes. <laughs> no matter how many they are. But yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're following follow their dreams, but also making sure you're getting to the money. 
real talk. So, where do I even begin? Okay, mm. so you've been in the game for about 15 years now, yep. the entertainment industry. Yeah. And I was watching the documentary you just did. Yeah. With real fake shoes, real from fake Amsterdam. shoes, yeah. and it's about fifteen to twenty minute documentary. Yeah. Absolutely, check it out. And you were kind of taking us through Afrobeats, the the roots of Afrobeats through your eyes. Yes, as well the as rise here, London in, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit more about that. How did it come about? Well, they just reached out to me, and they were like, they wanted to interview me and just find out about my journey mm. within the Afrobeats culture in the UK. And I said, okay, if you come and, and speak to me, my journey with the Afrobeats rise, I think has a similar path. It looks like whilst I was stepping into the, you know, the African popular culture here in the UK, it started to have, you know, it started to grow legs and grow wings and, you know, and things started to grow from that. So once they told me that they were going to have a conversation, I was, I was like, yeah, I'd even take you through my own physical journey, where ah, it all started, which yeah. is, you know, me living with my mom in Deptford and then, you know, the outlets that I used to listen to African music through and where the interest began and where okay. ultimately my first radio job started as well, which was... By chance, shout outs to, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Ron Pampa, who is or was a broadcaster at the time. And she was going to a radio show. I went to see her at home, her her boyfriend, who was my friend. And she, they were like, oh, they're going to her radio show at a private radio station. Join. Um, yeah. Would you like to come with or are you going home? <sighs> at that time, I was like jobless or whatever. If I'm going home, I'm just going to sit home and watch TV. Let me come yeah. with you. So I went there, she was trying to do some voiceovers and she wanted to rehearse some of those. So she said she would just practice with me. So whilst we were doing it, the, the owner of the pirate station in the back, um, he heard my voice and he came and was like, oh, you know, you've got kind of like a unique energy to your voice. Would you like to host a show? Wow. And that was it. Just like that? That was On it. On a random Tuesday night? That's it. That's incredible. I love that. It just speaks to one being in the right place in the right time, just given the right circumstances yeah. and just by chance and by God. Yeah. And then obviously that blossomed into the career you have now 15 years later. Yeah. Something that stuck to me that you said on the documentary was you had to sacrifice time yeah. to dedicate to the radio. Yeah. Obviously it wasn't paying you. Yeah. You were sacrificing time with friends and family, socializing. Yeah. And <laughs> you said you had to go home. You know, you could be at a party yeah. and you have to go home and leave yeah. to go and host your radio show. Yeah. People are looking at you crazy like what's, what's what's all this radio you're doing? It's not even is it paying you? Is it yeah. doing anything for you? Yeah. Like you're just who's even listening? Every time that happened, I remember so well because you know, it also happened around summer, summer of like 2004, mm -hmm. 2003, when that was, I believe, up until date, the hottest summer in the UK in a long time. Oh, wow. So we were having barbecues and parties like crazy. Everybody was so young, girls partying. It was mad. Enjoyments. And it was just at the time when the parties were starting that I'd have to go. To the radio show so i'll drive from places like essex or east london and go to south london to go and host a two-hour show on a pirate radio station wow. in a, what seemed like a dungeon a a garage where it was just absolutely hot at the time and i was sweaty you didn't even know how many people were listening um and people found that you know fascinating like this guy must be crazy did you it wasn't like 
I thought there was going to be a long-time career in there, or I thought it would get to a position where we probably be making some money from it. Yeah. It was just something of passion. I felt like I had committed myself to it, and I probably would be letting down the owner of the pirate radio station as well as my broadcast partner at the time. Shout out to Don Lee. And I just felt like, yo, I, I just had to keep my word and just keep doing it. And, and, and you, were you enjoying it at the time? Of course. Um, I think that is what has stuck to me till today. So I treat, earlier on, I treated the radio sessions, my time on radio playing music as almost like an individual party to me. Mm. So that those two moments in my car and in the radio booth are the two moments that I listen to music that I like the loudest possible and I can do whatever I want without anybody looking at me crazy. If you imagine, if I'm at a club and even if a song that I love jumped up and you started acting mad, some people might look at you like, you know, you're doing the yeah, most. Yeah, you're doing the like, most. What's relax. wrong with you? Like, <laughs> relax. You know, but in, in the studio or in my car, those are the two moments that I get to be myself and enjoy my music the way I love it without anybody kind of judging me. And I, I found that element quite early on. So that has been probably the motivation that has kept me doing it for as long as it can. Yeah. And of course, back then, Afrobeats wasn't what it is now, yeah. where people are eating and it's there is a monetary gain to yeah. it. Um, and I think it speaks to, to your passion, your mm. dedication, the mm. fact that you were so willing to put in the hours to sacrifice the time with your family, yeah, yeah. which I feel like your your passion and your energy is something that's very unique, by yes. the way, I must say. <laughs> like, they don't call you the energy god for nothing. Like, you're so passionate and it just translates to everything you do. I, Literally, just like, even I was watching your, I think you were like doing a live yeah. on whilst you were doing the Afrobeats um, radio show. Radio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, your energy is, there's no nothing fake about it. It's not bored. It's, it's not emulating know, anybody else, but it's just very authentic. And I think that's what people attract, like that, that's what you attract to people. Yeah, you know? I think, and that's what we love. I think that for me is one of the reasons why I am a fan of everybody. Because I'm a fan of everybody individually because of how you make me feel. So yeah. I'm a fan of your music because of what your music does to me. And every single artist that I have supported, every single actor or fashion designer or podcaster or whoever you see me stand next to, to is because of how that person or whatever it is that they've done for me has made me feel at a point in time. So that keeps the energy authentic regardless. We're currently celebrating Burner Boy. You you would probably think I am the number one Burner Boy fan in the world. I am far from that. There are cult followers of Burner oh, Boy absolutely. that will put me to shame when it comes to listing <laughs> the amount of hit records or his catalogue over the last 10 years. But I know how I felt the first time I heard a Burner Boy record and I looked at this young man and felt, He's got something different, fresh and unique to him in 2012. And to watch him from that moment where someone shared a video of him on my Facebook page to him now picking up a Grammy and being awarded and honored yes. back home in Nigeria, that's the passion that I'm connecting with and celebrating him for. How is 
made me feel throughout that time. And I think a lot of people need to, you know, you have to, whatever it is that you're doing, those are the little things you need to find to be able to do it again. Because you know how hard it is. Yeah. Waking up, coming into the studio, you, you're setting this up, putting the cameras up, putting this one, making sure the room temperature's good. and You're doing <laughs> it by yourself. Yeah. That takes a lot of motivation. And it's the passion. Like if the, the passion, the passion isn't there, you would never have gotten up to come into the studio today. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's what keeps you going. The times where you're like, I'm exhausted. But at the same time, it's like your passion and the, like, it makes you excited. Mm. Like, if you're not excited to do it, man, it's hard. It's tough. It's hard to do it. And, you know, like, you have to have the love for what you're doing to mm. do it well and to do it with joy. Yeah. I think yeah. that's part of it, just yeah. that being joyful with everything that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you've put in so much groundwork mm. to push the culture and clearly like your your passion for it is yeah. not just like about the individuals yeah. but really just making sure that the culture grows yeah. where did that come from did you see the culture and afrobeats or afropop yeah. going into the direction that we are now and in, in the space that we are now where we really are amongst the biggest stars in the world yeah. we are being recognized globally like yeah. did you see that coming um growing up in nigeria growing up in africa at the early ages um we were all huge fans of hip hop and R and B and pop and and all of these things yeah. and and then we had our traditional stars and and musicians that we celebrated but we weren't jumping off of the roof, uh, celebrating them probably the way we should have, yes. um, and then going into the late nineties and the early two thousands when I moved here, I think the sense of just wanting to have that sense of home encouraged me to listen a little bit more yeah. to music from back home and to be amongst my friends and, and family and stuff. And the minute I stepped into the arena, which is the radio starting to promote the culture, it grew. So you could see in the documentary where I said, initially we were playing a mixture of everything from hip hop and R&B to a little bit of African popular music. And slowly but surely we transitioned into a blanket afro beats and afro pop it developed with our confidence and our sense of pride yeah you know so it was everything was moving at the pace where you know my name was ade and then it slowly became adishokwe you know so at the beginning we just wanted the easiest way for people to recognize us and just <laughs> I'm, I'm here yeah yes but later on we started to say our names with our chests and that came with the growth of the Nollywood industry, with the growth of the Afrobeats industry, the African fashion designers. Shout out to um, Africa Fashion Week in London. That was another aspect that promoted African culture to a different level. Yeah, and just showcased us for, for what we are. Yep. Without diluting, without mixing other cultures into it, without trying to Fit mix. In. Yeah. yeah. Mix it and blend it so it's palatable yep. for other people to consume. But yeah. actually just putting it out and presenting it in the way that is 100% authentic. Mm. Us, 100% authentic. African, yeah. Afrobeats yeah. and just the culture that we are as rich, vibrant, colourful. Yeah. Um, and in just all... And diverse. All of it, and diverse. And diverse. So yes. we, all those times, we never thought we were going to get here. However... Amongst ourselves, we already saw each aspect as 
super status. We saw the Nollywood industry as one of the biggest industries in the world, the biggest in Africa. We saw the music industry starting to grow as, you know, some of the event organizers here from the DJ Abbases, the DJ Abrantes, the Ayoshonayas, they, you know, people had started celebrating individual country independence days here. Yes, so you have Nigeria, Ghana, you have Kenya, Uganda, you have Zimbabwe, South, you know, yes. all of them started to do that. And slowly but surely, even though we were celebrating in our individual pockets, we started to cross attend. So I would go to a Ugandan Independence Day now because my friend DJ Edu uh, was probably playing at a Kenyan Independence and he invited me to come. So I go in there, I see how everybody's going crazy. Yes. You know, my, I always said a moment that changed my life and probably expanded my palate was the Hip Life Festival, I believe, probably 2010, 11. And that was a Ghanaian show at the Indigo 2. So what they okay. did was they invited at that time the hottest, let's, just so you understand how big that was. If it was today, let's say a show was at the Indigo 2 and he had Whiskey, Burner Boy, David O. You know, the, that's the what biggest they artists they yes. could get. And so they brought the likes of Castro, Stage J, Five Five. Those were the biggest superstars at yes. that time. And when I walked into the building, the first thing that shocked me was more than 80% of the people in that building were wearing traditional Ghanaian clothing. It is beautiful. They were in different shapes. So, you know, some of the ladies will just make like a mini skirt or some of them will make like a flower dress. And then some guys will come in with a T-shirt that had the kente here. Others will come with just top alone. Yeah. Others, And I walked in and then it was like a party atmosphere where people were dancing in groups. So there'll be a circle here with about 20 people and it's guys and girls going at each other so okay, women like a yeah so women will come in with their high heels take it off walk into that circle and go in, crazy and I then step it. out and put that back on so i, I was love like, it even though i've been going to so many nigerian independence days that day completely transformed my life because i was like wow i love the energy i love the colors i love the music i love the people i love the vibes yes so from then, it encouraged me going to different communities, African communities, in search of the same adrenaline. Led me to watch the incredible, uh, rest in peace, Hip Hop Pansula had come into the UK, performing with Casper Nyoves dancing in the background as oh, a backup I dancer. Love that. You know, I, that's what took me there. You know, so I went to different places to go and watch Angeli Kijo. In, in central London performing, you know, I've, I've gone to see the... So it's those things that now started to develop my interest. And slowly but surely, I just started to see the tide changing. The more pride we had, mm -hmm. the more concerts we're having, you know, from the Debanges to, you know, the hip hop festivals, all of these things. The Eddie Caddy at the O2 was crazy. Legendary legendary that was groundbreaking that yes. for me is one of the most iconic moments for us because he had mainstream support yet he was proudly and unapologetically african, african at that time and we love it yeah. we love it and you know it's um from those 
small events that mm. happen you know the celebration of kind of independence days and moment independence day you know to uh congo to nigeria like mm. all of these like just those celebrations and us mixing um as africa and just getting to enjoy each other's cultures is something what i love being being in london like we we get london. to do that um and it's beautiful and i would say like i think you've definitely become a cultural commentator yeah an influencer mm and someone whose voice is respected within the space i appreciate that and i think people like people trust you we were before we started recording mm. you know you, you were talking about how like the certain artists that you have conversations with yeah. in the dms yeah. and they'll reach yeah. out to you yeah whether that's for advice or whatever it is yeah how did you get to that space you know where people respect your advice mm. and they trust you and they know that you know what you're doing you know what you're talking about in terms of the industry and obviously now you work with um, different yeah. artists yeah. So you work with Yemi Alade yeah. and yeah. others yeah um how did you get into that space I think it's one of those where they say consistency breeds confidence in the sense that when people see you consistently doing something then they believe your genuineness and how open you are they see that i celebrate individual african countries not out of just wanting to chase it for clout i'm a massive fan of congolese music because yeah. you know i grew up in the 90s in nigeria when you know congolese music was, was the it. number one sound that was dominating africa yes you know? it, it really was you know you, you go to the whole parties That's like it. i remember yeah like i remember you know being five six and it's so this is going to sound so silly to yeah. say but there were certain songs that were congolese i genuinely thought there was zimbabwean <laughs> because they were just play it regularly regularly and people go crazy of, yeah, yeah you know part of our culture from yeah. whether you you were five all the way to to this day yeah. you yeah. know like they are an essential part of any african <laughs> party or you know it would be in the clubs it would be uh, weddings whatever it was barbecues or what we call uh, a prize what happened you know? what happened in nigeria is because nigeria we're so kind of like proudly patriotic oh nigeria nobody's <laughs> better than us uh, that's part nigeria of our makeup. yeah <laughs> however um subconsciously we've had a very strong helping hand in developing the sound culture in Nigeria from different eras Ghana was heavily influential in the 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 development of afrobeat by the legend Fela Kuti yeah. he took parts of the high life sound and blended it with african jazz music and funk and soul to develop the sound that he developed you mm -hmm. when you look at the likes of p square flavor nabania they've come from the ilk of awilo logomba the sound that has come from the likes of congo if you look at how influential south africa has become uh, over the last 5 6 7 years with the african pop sounds with afro house and gum and now i'm a piano yeah. it continues like that so now that we have finally seen social media and we can be honest about where these sounds and these I'm cultures have from. come from it makes it even better to embrace them with pride so yeah. going back to the question i think the fact that i've always been that person that has been inquisitive excited to learn about other cultures and really seen myself yes i'm a nigerian but i believe that anybody that looks at me first would say that i'm african before they ask if i was nigerian or ghanaian yeah know, that's the first thing that stands out you know and i believe that that has been the motivation and and once people young artists and and entertainers start to see that you're constantly doing that 
they feel a little bit more confident speaking to you because they know that you support their culture regardless. I've done it consistently. I posted a video with myself having a chat with the le the legend uh, Castro, the destroyer, about 10, 12 years ago. I posted it a couple of days ago. And I saw a lot of young Ghanaian artists, the Kwame Eugene's, Kidi, all of them posting in the comments, you know, being excited. So now being when they excited. see me being a super fan of Kidi and Kwame and King Promise, they know I've been a super fan of their great icon in the past. So it's not something that I'm jumping on today because, because they're because hot. It's yes. hot. And it's like, it's, it's genuine and it's authentic. Yes. That love yeah. is not fabricated. Yes. And, and it's just and a, it, a love for just for the music and for it. what for, different people for are doing. The, like we said yeah, earlier. for the music and, and for the individuality. One of my friends said something back then. He said individualism. My, my father actually said, um, peculiarity is a sign of greatness. So whatever makes you peculiar also makes you a great because it stands you out. Yes. And we must celebrate that peculiarity in every single one of us, every single culture, whether it's from South Africa, West Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Congo, whatever it is, that uniqueness that they have. I know a lot of people, there's always a running joke that ah, Congolese guys, they dress, they, they dress flashy and whatever, whatever. <laughs> but when you look at it, it's also something that's peculiar to them, but it's also endearing to everybody else. You know, Congolese men, I still believe, you know, people can correct me if I'm wrong, they have the best taste in suits ever. I've seen some suits from Congolese guys. It's yeah. ridiculous. I, 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 I think, I don't know what cheat code they got, but their tailors are incredible when it comes to that. Like and that's that's the one thing they will make sure like exactly. let me sure it's fitted, so it looks it's good. Fitted perfectly. <laughs> and that's part of their peculiar traits. And that's one thing that, you know, once we start to identify that individual Ghanaians, they say Ghanaians are calm, you know, they're cool, they're laid back and whatever. It's also a unique trait because we need that calmness, that, that coolness. When it comes to structure, development, growth, as much as you have the Nigerian brother that's brash and loud, you need someone that's going to be like, okay, I see what you're saying, but how about we, maybe we should slow it down and probably look at these areas. Right, right, so right. So when you think of it that way, you understand that, yo, every single individual trait is a massive bonus. And we have to celebrate that. So when you do that, it makes people understand that, yo, these guys or girls are just... They're doing their they're thing. They're just genuine for you. Yeah, yeah. No, I love what you said about um, celebrating people's individuality. Yeah. And what I love is that now we're definitely starting, we're starting to come together. Yes. To collaborate, to yep. bring the different sounds, yep. whether that's um, South Africa and Nigeria collaborating, like in terms of their the artists and mixing sounds. Yes. There's one particular song that I love and I can't remember what the artist's name is, but um, it's a collaboration between, I think it was like two Zimbabwean artists, someone else from Congo and someone mm. else from Nigeria. And mm. just the mix was just, it was a beautiful, I think the Nigerian guy was speaking in Pigeon, the Zim guy was speaking in uh, Shona, which is a Zimbabwean language. Mm. The guy from Congo was speaking in French and I believe Nigala. Nigala. Yeah. But it was just, it just sounded beautiful. The song is lit. Um, and I think, yeah, we, should, we need to do more of it. My daughter, she said something to me once. She, I, 
it's not like I play Congolese I, I don't play Congolese music in the house like that in front yeah. of her but I would play if I'm watching TV by myself and I just wanted to run through a bunch of Kofi uh, Olomide songs or Fali Pupa songs I would go through a bunch yeah. but apparently on her playlist she's running through a bunch of other Congolese artists that I have no, no idea, idea who these guys are so one day we were just dancing and she was just talking and she said oh I feel like I'm part Congolese <laughs> I said well, how come she said because I just like the culture and that's a 13 year old girl oh, wow. who is a Nigerian through and through, but is confident enough to tell her proud Nigerian father that I believe I've got some Congolese blood in me. In me. And that's because of how she connects with the culture that I didn't introduce her to. Yeah, but she's she's found it Guess through her what? own exploration. She found it through, there's a YouTuber that she loves and she follows is apparently a British Congolese young lady who in her videos plays a variety of Congolese music in her okay. videos. And through that, she's followed that tribe. And, and I she's had just found no, her way into it, it and that, kind of delved in further it. than you probably would have. I'm surprised when I'm hearing her sing some songs and she's, you know, she's got the pronunciation, the French or the Lingala. I'm, I'm like, where is she? And then I found out, I'm like, wow. So everybody's gravitating. And that's the beauty of where we are right now with the African popular culture, with Afrobeats. We're gravitating towards what we love about each other. Yeah. And it's making us a lot stronger. And that's what we really need to be preaching. You know, we see what xenophobia does. We see how division is. And I, th I, I strongly believe um, that the more the people in the public eye in entertainment and fashion and culture come together. I Just a couple of minutes ago, I posted, because uh, today, you know, 24 hours ago, in the UFC, a Cameroonian became the first African heavyweight UFC champion. Wow. And that has now put Africa in the UFC. We currently have three world champions two from nigeria one from cameroon and the cameroonian guy whilst doing his interview gave a massive shout out to the nigerian champion saying he came to train me in my camp and get me ready not only physically but mentally showing me how to become a champion because he's my brother and someone when i posted that someone put a message underneath it and said the unity between these two and the love between them is what nigerian cameroonian artists need to see now because over the last couple of weeks, there's been beef. But right. someone was smart enough to see that these two fighters can even unify us beyond what we can imagine. Oh, absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. I mean, the, the unity is, is what's important. Okay, so yep. we're gonna move on a little bit, but we've yeah. kind of covered this before. And I yeah. remember we had a conversation where we spoke about finding your tribe. Yeah. Um, and in the beginning, obviously, we mentioned being around people that you connect with. What would you say um, has been the importance of that to you? And how has that helped kind of shape your career mm. in entertainment? Finding your tribe is extremely important because it is the subconscious motivation that you need to carry on during the dark days. Ooh. Finding your tribe is 
the probably top of the list of everything that you're trying to do because these are the unseen energy that will make you want to get up and do what you're doing without any applause, financial rewards, or any benefits. It's because you found people that you connect with psychologically that understand what you're doing and give you the little boosts to carry on from day to day. For me, I have been blessed in every part. And I think identifying, I think a lot of people don't know how to identify their tribe and they don't know how to find the people that you connect with because they yeah. come in different, you meet them at random times. Yeah. You could meet someone at a party, you can meet someone at work, you can meet, but you would always identify as one person that sees something in you and what you're doing that you probably haven't felt from a lot of other people before. Yes. That's that person you try to keep in that space. And you know, I've been I've been blessed because as much as I'm very energetic and I'm, you know, self-motivating and stuff like that, I have those low times like everybody else. When I'm like, boy, man, <laughs> listen, <laughs> this thing got to pay. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, this thing what is, am I even doing? What am I please? doing? Is it making sense? I want to be sleeping. Yes. But you once you have one or two of those people, you find out that you, you, you'd easily get up um, and be able to do, you know, what you weren't feeling good about. So as much as you, you identify your path, as much as you identify your calling, as much as you're looking at your business ideas like, yo, this might take me to the money, you also have to either eliminate dead wood or identify the right tribe to follow it. And how did you find yours? For me, I think it's always been by chance. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I went in 2012 during the Olympic Games. I went behind the scenes with a friend of mine. Shout out to DJ Larry of Factory 78. Okay, DJ Larry is a friend of mine. When I was working on Voice of Africa Radio, I used to host a show at about 8 p.m. And this dude, so my show was 8 to 11, and his show was 12 to maybe 3 a.m. And in radio terms, that's the graveyard shift where you don't know if people are listening, everybody's either sleeping or out and about. But he would come into the studio, set up his computer, set up the camera, set up this and that. And I'll be watching this guy like, this boy crazy. Like, ain't nobody listening to this. <laughs> but, but he prepared himself like he was about to host a breakfast or drive time show. He believed that everybody was watching. He believed that there was something out there. So when that or even if it's just five people, I'm gonna yes. give them the best. So that connection later turned into a partnership that went on to develop Afrobeats media in the UK strongly at Factory 78. Because of what he displayed to us, he eventually had a studio set up in his house where he had a camera, microphone, and he was doing interviews that it was promoting African pop artists. So I joined him and that was how we started interviewing the WizKids and all of these people. So that little thing he showed 
was enough to let me know that this guy is a special guy and that's the type of person I'd like to connect my energy with. And he's serious. That's like all. you saw his passion and obviously with your passion, you were like, okay, that, we that, could that, do that something. each other. You know? Absolutely. So that's how you identify these people. Little things, you know, just very little things will tell you how a person is. It's not, um, nowadays everybody wants to be successful at whatever it is that they do, but really and truly nobody wants to put in the hard work when it's not working out or you're making money yeah especially <laughs> when you're not making money and you're just doing it for the love of it oh that one yeah. ah, no that was the hardest man yeah how do you want to convince people to keep on doing stuff and spending their own money when they're seeing you know they're not seeing a penny and maybe the views are ridiculously low nobody's watching or listening and you're supposed to be motivating yourself to get up and do it every single time that's when your tribe comes in very handy because they're going to be telling you that all you need is one video or one audio to change everything for you but to get to that one you're going to have to keep on doing it yeah it really does take the one which actually reminds me of yeah, yeah Elsa Majumbo and she is <laughs> Kenyan funny. She's and funny. she uh, she's absolutely she, funny but just lockdown. watching her journey from it was lockdown 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 till now from March last year she's to in March LA now, now it's crazy. And she went from, I believe, about maybe like 6,000 followers yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. She's she a university probably... student. What? University student that really wasn't, you know, was bored, locked down like everybody else. She put up her phone up and she started to crack jokes in the camera. Nothing to a lot of people would have been, oh, just silly or whatever. Yeah. And those went viral that she became the talk of the world where platforms like the CNN and co were dying to get her on a platform. And ultimately, she's become an international personality representing Kenya and now interviewing and, and the likes of Naomi Campbell are interviewing her. Yes. <laughs> you know, catching flights with the Naomi Campbell yeah, yeah. going from 6,000 followers to, I think maybe she's probably 1.5 million followers yeah. now or maybe 1.4 <coughs> yeah. million followers. Yeah. And just, again, just speaking to, to the what you were talking about, but it really just takes that one video. Just one. And it's like just she's one. been consistent throughout and it really just, it takes the one to uh, make it go viral. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your career in TV yeah. and what you've yeah. been doing. So you've been featured on Vox Africa, you've yeah. been on BBC, yeah. you've been on Sports 360. Yeah. How did you find yourself in that position where you are being asked to come in and give us your opinion, commentate on these topics. We want to hear from you. So that that was another part of finding my tribe. So in 2012, when I went behind the scenes with my brother, uh, DJ Lion Factory 78, to follow the Nigerian uh, basketball team for making the Olympics for the first time ever, whilst I was running around trying to get interviews from one of these guys, there was a lady in that same room uh, who's now become a lifelong friend of mine by the name Mimi Fawaz. Um, she was there from Vox Africa interview. She's a sports commentator and broadcaster. And so she was there interviewing these people as well. But she saw the way I was just hustling people and pulling them. And, da, da, da. and and she approached me after we finished and said, you know, can I have your number? I'd like to invite you to have a chat at Vox Africa, perhaps an opportunity for a sports program. I'd never done sports before. I was purely entertainment and African entertainment, as everybody could see. So I went there. We had a sit down. She said they had already employed someone to host the gig, but she really liked my energy and the way I was willing to just chase people down to get the sound bites that she wanted me to be part of the team. Yeah. And from 2012, 
you know, I got the gig and became a co-sports presenter at Vox Africa hosting Sports 360 for about three or four years after that. Going to cover the NBA All-Stars weekend in New Orleans and interviewing the young Drake uh, when, when he was almost like just a young guy coming oh, in the wow. game and, you know, seeing everybody like that. I, I, I went from just that opportunity chance meeting of a young lady like Mimi Fawaz who saw something in me and I saw something in her. And that has blossomed. And, and because of that relationship, she's now working at the BBC. So once in a while, they'd get me on as a commentator. I was the one that spoke uh, at the BBC World News when the new uh, FIFA president was elected. I was the person that came into the studios to talk. And, and, and just through all of that. So crazy. it's crazy. You never know when you're going to meet incredible people. And you have to be... You have to be, your eyes have to be clear when you meet certain people. You know that there's something unique about these people. Yeah. You, know? you, you will spot it, you know, and, and that's where the commentating, being a guest commentator has continued. So even though I carried on my own broadcast career, you know, on radio and doing all my other stuff online, mm -hmm. I still have the opportunity to go and comment on, on, on sports or African popular culture uh, situations, you know. Wow. Yeah. It's been a crazy journey for you. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, okay, so you've then, so we've spoken about your TV, yeah. the radio, yeah. and then, of course, you you now have your your podcast. Yeah. And the power of social media is something I want to touch on with you. Yeah. One thing I've learned watching your social media is consistency, as you've said before. Yep. Consistency is key. key when it now comes to Afrobeats and what's happening in that world, yeah. I now think of you, like you're the go-to person yeah. Yeah. when it comes to that. Um, talk to me a little bit about how kind of social media has impacted your career with everything else that you're doing. How has it helped to shape it yeah. and how has it impacted you? I've used social media as a tool to get what I'm doing to the rest of the world. So I have either by making sure that the artists and entertainers and record labels notice that there's somebody here in the UK that plays their music and supports them heavily via Instagram stories, or maybe me just going to, to Afrobeats concerts in the UK and being the first person to record what was going on on stage and post it on my social media. So my followers that are maybe in Nigeria or Ghana that would like to see what Whiskey was doing behind the scenes or on stage, but because they're back home, I give them the outlet to see yeah. what's happening. So slowly but surely, I realized that a lot of people now started to look to me when events were happening in London, that oh, Shopsy was gonna post what happened and the highlights. And I also found out through the journey of sharing a lot of information on social media so people can see what was going on within the Afrobeats culture in the UK, I noticed that people really are not, they don't care about the duration of the content. They just want to see what's really happening. So it could be yeah. 15 seconds that tells basically the story of the entire night or the highlight of the night or one minute or three minutes. It's good enough for some, you know? And, and that, once I realized that you know, people were responding to the social media information I was given and, and how active I was on social media. It became something that I imbibed as part of me. So when I see, and I always tell people, regardless of whether I'm working on A&R, working in the media, working on social media, I'm a fan first. So anything okay. that appeals to me as a fan, I'm, put it out there. I think Norma's most likely going to like it. 
Yeah. Because I'm a fan. You know, so if you are a fan of the same culture I'm talking about, if I put stuff up nine times out of ten, it's going to be something that you like. And after once that started happening, a lot of fans started to share my content and people now started to come follow me. And I, I realized that, yo, this is a platform. Social media is not for people to look good. <laughs> Say it again. Social media is not a photo album. Oh. Social media is a platform, is a market, digital marketing and promotional platform for you to share with the rest of the world what your art or your business is. If you are not doing that, you've got it absolutely wrong. What about for the people that say, well, I'm not interested in social media. Like, it doesn't interest me at all. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, you know, so for people whose careers are not in it, yeah. like, what would you say to them? If social media is not important to your line of work and your business, absolutely fine. Then you don't have to bother. If you are a banker in Canary Wharf and all you're dealing with are numbers and, and, and stocks and bonds and whatever, and you don't have to check what numbers are going up on social media or whatever, that's fine. But if your business somehow needs publicity, then social media should be your business because it is the only platform in the world for now where promotion is absolutely free and you have the power to control it yeah yeah i think for me um about two years ago i realized mm. like i'm consuming so much content yeah. i'm spending hours <laughs> consuming yeah. other people's content and watching other people's lives um whether that's youtube through instagram yep. through twitter yep. reading other people's thoughts all of these things you know podcast and how much are you giving to it? How much? One, yeah. How much am I giving to <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. Um, all I'm doing is really just posting a cute picture, yeah. maybe once a month, <laughs> and then and then and that's, that's it. it. And people don't really get to know you, and obviously, or get you don't get to sell yourself, mm, and mm. not necessarily sell yourself in a negative light, but sell as yourself your, as your brand, your, your brand, what yeah. you're doing. You yeah. know, so that's that's what I tell people. If you are in any form of business that needs marketing then your social media must be as active as anything because that's where people get to get a taste of whatever it is that you're selling, whatever it is that you're doing or whatever it is that you're creating. So I just realized that and decided to really put my powers, but I lost a, a, an Instagram account two years ago at almost 100,000 followers because at that time was when Afrobeats artists had just started to sign in mass for international record labels. So unknown to people like us, myself was that the record labels are still in a battle with Instagram to get money for music that's being posted on Instagram and Facebook. So record labels right, like Sony right. and Warner, whatever, they, it's a big battle. Facebook refused to give them money, allegedly. Um, I, I don't have the, the, the full details. However, a law was created in the UK and America and in Europe where is the copyright law where a certain level of content cannot be shared on social media or you're infringing on the creator's content. Now, our Afrobeats artists, the minute they sign international deals with Sony Records and what of that, 
all of their music and their dance videos and stuff that we used to post then with no problem that we that elevated Afrobeats to where we are, it became it a problem. And, do, and those were a lot of the content that people like myself were posting. Boom. I just wow. got one day I just posted David O and uh, Chris Brown, blow my mind. I posted a, a part of the video, boom, and the account went. And there was nowhere for you to get it back. No, there, there was Damn. all I had. To, what I had to do was so much, like it was impossible to get it back. So that was like a day before Afro Nation 2019. No. Yeah, two days before Afro Nation. Oh my! That that couldn't have been a worse timing. When everybody was looking at me as the guy to share, you were the going stuff. to be behind the scenes. You yep. were hosting. I was hosting behind that the scenes. I was with everybody. And that was the worst time, but that was also a rude awakening for me to let me know that social media is not owned by us. Social yes. media is not controlled by us. So we shouldn't be emotionally attached to our social media platforms and we should use it for exactly what it's meant to be used for, which is to market your creative, market your business and promote your culture. Yeah. Anything other than that, then you're just you're, you're allowing yourself to be emotionally attached and once it's gone like that some people lose their minds if you go on youtube for people that their instagram or youtube account deleted people are crying on there or oh, where like you yeah you've they've been hacked and yeah, it's like you know, at the end of the day people people are making money you know people are making money from having a hundred thousand followers yeah. or even fifty thousand followers or yeah. twenty thousand followers yeah. so i can imagine you know like you have worked so hard to build to build that following yeah. And to lose it is absolutely, that's heartbreaking. But I thought to myself, if, if I built that following I in like two years, I could do it again. And that's what I've done now. Yeah, yeah. And you have, you have. With the help of some great people. Shout out to my brother, Don Jazzy, the Yemi Alades, Arikunle Golds. But, you know, I did it based on the same kind of uh, ideas i had in the past which yeah. was just promote the culture share interesting culture uh, content and promote whatever it is that i'm doing and the right people gravitate to me and that's what they've done and consistency because Cons you are the king of consistency Cons like i say this to you every other time when i see you i'm like you are the king of and consistency. that's and that is another achilles heel so being or wanting to be consistent with your work also, every single person needs the right helpers, the right team, the right people to assist them. And if one arm of that team is lacking, the whole plan falls Collapses. flat. And I have gone from pillar to post looking for the right team and finding, you know, the social media content that you see me share. Someone creates that. Yeah. Shout out to Latif from LM Media. He dedicates hours daily to create that this morning i woke up at like 7 or 8 a.m he sent me like three new ones that three i'm gonna share yes that he edited shout outs to my people at afri media studios Kola and shay this is a team of father and son that record my podcast and and give it the first initial edits and production before Latifa Ellen Media completes it and then makes the digital uh, edits. Those three people are vital. Are vital. They are. If Shopsy does a hundred percent, Afri Media, Willow Studios, and Ellen Media are seventy percent of that. Wow. Because without them feeding me that, I'm. 
you know, you, you I, I would be it. able to do what I'm doing. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. And that's so true. Like, you you're can. very about dividing your time and attention appropriately yeah. and in a way that best serves you that's as it. an individual. But also knowing that there's certain things that you cannot do sure. and other people sure. do better than you. Absolutely. I, like, I, I write a lot. I, I send emails and stuff like that. But I also have a young lady that works with me. Shout out to Ayo Maurice. She helps me to send emails out and, and, and puts a, a press email together and whatever, you know. So I she also has added that value to me. Yeah. So it's taken me almost 15 years to get to a situation where I found my tribe who I can close my eyes and every single arm or leg is moving without me saying anything. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's what helps the consistency. But what I also found out from each and one of them is that the energy I give back to them based on how consistent I am with my dreams and showing up for work and stuff like that is also what subconsciously encourages them to give their all. I love so that. I love that. Yes, because they see it's, me it's, show it's, it's up every give, time. It's like yes. give and take, give and take. So they know, they feel like they don't want to let this guy down. This brother shows up every time. So you don't know what you're giving people. So don't criticize people for the energy you receive from them because you don't know what energy you're giving to them. Say it again. Don't criticize people for the energy you receive from people because you don't know what energy you're giving to them. Yeah. Major key right there. Major key right there. Wow. Okay. Um, so you've been in the industry for 15 years, we've yeah. said, right? Yeah. And you have probably seen some crazy things, yeah. experienced beautiful memories. Yeah. Um, of course, you were part host yeah. alongside Eddie Cardi at the Afro Nation yeah. 2019 yeah. Festival. Yeah. Tell me about some of your most fondest memories, beautiful memories and crazy memories, should we say? I think the fun... The fondest memories, without doubt, will be, you know, seeing us at Afro Nation in Portugal or in Ghana, uh, you know, doing it at the height that Afro Nation is doing it at. Shout outs to Smade, Live Nation, Echo Talent, the entire group of businessmen and women that came together and decided that they were going to invest their time and money to promote this culture to the next level that has never been done before. So for me to even be on stage and witness what this machine called Afro Nation had put together is arguably one of the most incredible moments for me within this culture, you know, yeah. going to Ghana. And then apart from that, just traveling around in Europe, uh, Berlin, all my festival in Amsterdam, Paris, with Yemi Alade, you know, seeing or going to Kenya, seeing how people react to some of the stars that we, we, we celebrate yes. has been very, very, very emotional for me. I think those are some of my fondest memories when it comes to the culture. But shocking moments, you know, there are always all sorts of shocking <laughs> moments, man. Especially on stage. I remember um, at Afro Nation, the band was dancing on stage. I, I, did you see the I band? I missed it. And that's the one show that people keep talking about so and I missed it. The band, if you don't know, is arguably the most incredible live stage performance we've had in Afrobeats over the last 20 years. The band performing on stage mm. is second to none. He is just majestic. 
and his performance routine I, I i don't even think is rehearsed it just comes naturally, naturally and it goes with the flow so he picked a young lady to join him on stage and she was you know they were dancing he was doing crazy things hitting a, a bomb with his head <laughs> and da, da, da. he was just it was outlandish it was crazy but it was also kind of shocking to see how people were reacting to it and and how he was reacting to her on stage the energy that was you know going on there but you know that moment you know pe people need to go and find whenever the band find the video oh, and have a look have a look when you see it you would you know the camera was going the lady was dancing and the camera was kind of <laughs> Yeah, the camera, the, the you know the videographer was, was doing yeah. It I, I, I don't think it. Yeah, it was just uh, we, we interesting, man. But yeah, those are definitely moments. Again, highlights like whiskey at the O2 Arena. David Doe coming into the O2 Arena. You know, David yeah. Doe whiskey on stage at the Brixton Academy. Whiskey's first co-headline show in 2012 at the HMV Apollo with P Square, 5,000 capacity. That was the moment. HMV Apollo in 2012. That was Afro, the original Afrobeats festival with Coco Bar, Smaid Events, Phoenix Media. They brought P Square as headliners, but they decided to add a little young man that they felt had a little bit of an audience called Whiskey ah. in 2012. 5,000 capacity, boom. A year after that, Whiskey came and did the 5,000 capacity by himself. So those and moments, growth, yes, growth. those are the moments where you're like, whoa, Olamide Bado, HMV Apollo. You know, those, those are the memories that stand out to me when it comes to this culture. Um, you mentioned, obviously, like touring with Yemi Alade yeah. and being part of her team yeah, in yeah. some aspects. Like, yeah. how did that come about? And like, what's your role? With I'm just, again, I'm a fan. When I'm a fan, you know I'm a fan. Yeah. So from the minute when she first came into the UK, I believe it was 2014, I'll tell you this. Um, shout out to my people, Freak de la Freak in Berlin. They're the ones that host the Afrobeat show alongside the largest carnival in Berlin. So they invited me to come and host a, uh, an event in 2014 there. And whilst I was on the stage, you know, we were playing some Afrobeat music and we had a couple of people on in front of the truck and they were vibing, and then they dropped a record at the time. And I'm talking thousands of people came to us, white, black, and that record was titled Johnny by Yemi Alade. I'm like, what? What's this? Who is What's, this? I'm like, I know the record, but I didn't know that it had that kind of impact in Europe. So I was like, what is this? So. I, I must have recorded that video. We were using Blackberries then, you know, Blackberry. Wow, this is a, that's a real throwback right there. <laughs> exactly. Real throwback so right there. I messaged my friend who was part of her management and her distributor. She was based in the UK. Shout out to Rebecca, Just Children Entertainment. And I said to her, whatever you do, this young lady has to come into Europe now. Like, whether she's got money, she's got no money. You've got to fly her in to come and promote this record. This record is a madness in Europe. Mm. And I sent that message to Rebecca and that was it. So when I came back to the UK, you know, they started to kind of do her visa for her to come on a promo run and, and whatever. So the day she landed London in 2014, I was at Vox Africa hosting my live at Battersea show where Afrobeats artists would perform and celebrity guests would come on. And they drove her straight to me. And she appeared on the show 
And we just connected with her, her manager, and that became almost like a, a mentor family kind of situation. And that has lasted since then. So I've become part of her A&R, worked on uh, about two or three albums for her now, um, just being blessed to lend my ears to her music and helping her select the kind of songs that could go on on the album and stuff. So I've worked on like two or three albums and, and just assisted in that role whenever they need me. Today, I've FaceTimed them in Namibia. They've now gone beyond business and become family. Her manager's arguably one of my closest friends in the world. So, Aww. and from that, you know, it's become a situation where I, I do the same for other people. Adekunle Gold, LAX, you know, so these I help with a and r and I advise when it comes to media relations. Yeah. Um, like so many thoughts are going through my head, <laughs> but the one thing again that I'm going to say is that it's your authentic mm. love for the music yeah. that, again, just led you into that role where you are yeah. part of her team, and yeah. obviously, like, just a, a positive influence in that in that way. Yeah, yeah. That it was beautiful. it was it was because of the love of the music. I saw how people were going crazy for the music, and I also, when it comes to Yemi, one of the other things that I connected with was the fact that she found herself as an unapologetic African quite early on at a time when being such an image was not largely celebrated. And that was something that I was dealing with spiritually here oh. in the sense that I was unapologetically African. And there are moments where we felt like those of us that are unapologetically African had the doors closed on us. They, you know, oh, wow. we weren't getting, even till now, we aren't getting the opportunities that we're supposed to get. They don't give us the accolades or the credits that we deserve for our efforts because we're just so African and we will never let anybody take those credits away. So when I saw Yemi and when I met Yemi, those were the tribe instincts where I found one of mine. You know, this one yes. is one of mine, okay. no doubt, okay. because she's, you know, she would wear her hair the way she wants it. If she wanted it in an afro, she put it on. If she wanted it like braids. this, if she wanted the braids, she was rocking the Ankara like uh, nobody else was doing. I connected with that. If you look at Adekunle Gold, same thing. Adekunle came into the game with that same vibe. And that was something that I connected with. Olamide Bado. So it's just that fact that they were proudly who they were i'll give you one story that's probably one of the most authentic stories ever on factory 78 we do freestyle so all the rappers will come or artists to a savage or yemi they'll come and perform yeah and olamide had come at the time he was just a fast rising artist from nigeria so he came and he came into the studio and i told him i said i would like for you to do a freestyle and we gave him the microphone Boom, he started freestyling and he rapped the whole song in English. And he was done and everything was cool. He killed it. Bars, hits, punchlines. It was incredible. I was shocked that, wow, Olamide is that sick in English. That's fine. And he left. So I was watching the video with my brother DJ Larry and I said, I'm going to call him back. Because the reason why I called him to come was because I wanted him to come and do what he was doing in Nigeria here. What made me love him was the fact that he was rapping in Yoruba and that's what made him a superstar. So for us to present 
uh, an Olamide freestyle in English would be misrepresentation to him and it would also not do justice to the reason why he's where he is. So I gave him a call and I said, Olamide, I love what you did. I think it was dope, but I'd like for you to come back and do a freestyle in Yoruba. He was in Manchester. He said, say no more, boss. I'm coming tomorrow. He dropped the phone. He came back, did a freestyle in Yoruba. That freestyle became one of the biggest freestyles ever we had. It had maybe 20,000 views in a couple of days or something crazy. And that was the beginning of, you know, Olamide dominating in the UK. And that only happened because I made a decision that, my brother, this will be better for you, even though he had done something else. Right. And as a media, if I was just a media platform at that time, I didn't care about Olamide, his brand, his career. I could have said, you we wish, had the freestyle, yeah. man. Let's get our views. That's done. Like, we're but, good. We've got it now. Like, we're But good. I was a fan that knew that this brother was going to shine more. And that what is, you fell in love with is what would make other people fall in love with him. I'm just fan, in the same way that you did. I'm a fan first. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Okay, so yes. moving on from Yemi Alide yep. and Ajikunle Gold and yep. everything that you, you know you were doing with artists, what is your fondest um, memory in terms of what was your favorite show that you've ever seen live? Gosh, man. or maybe two. You're so unfair. That's <laughs> you're violating, man. That's that's hard. Okay. <sighs> I'll just say moments that moments that really made me incredibly emotional. One was the band receiving his rock chain with Kanye West at the HMV Apollo in 2012. Um, Cause that was a shock for us. You know, we're just watching the band on stage and he had, um, what's that harmonica? And he was just doing, you know, he 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 just he just started to perform all of the lights. Yeah. All of the lights. And the DJ dropped the record. Bam! And Kanye West walked out on stage. What? What? It must have been crazy. Oh my day. Listen. That was mad to give him a chain on stage. That moment, I was, and then obviously whisked at the Royal. Albert Hall, you know, when we got there, like we're in the Royal. This is the Queen's yes, playground. Royal. So is that the one that, that was the first one it, um... before he now did Afro Republic at the O2. So okay. this was like this was the first whisked Royal. It was like leading to the O2. So it was six months before the O2. It was November. I think it was November 2017 at the Royal Albert Hall. And we, this is where the Queen has all her variety shows and Prince William and whatever. You know, we're in, you know, excuse the pun, but the colonizers' party house. Do you understand? Like, <laughs> the Africans the are here. Yeah, like, yo, we're, we're here. And we out here. Yeah, so from the, those two moments, but a lot of every single show I've been to, either been a part of, have moments when I'm always going to be wow, whisked and David O on stage, Olamide coming out at HMV Apollo, Burner Boys, yeah, 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 at Brixton Academy. You know, the list goes on. Tiwa Savage, Indigo, too, Yemi Alade, the list goes on. You know, Hip Life Festival, my God. 
Mr. Easy, you know, that's... I still want to see Mr. Easy. I haven't seen him perform yet. Is it? Mr. Easy, you know, Mr. Easy had an amazing run, um, has, has done incredible... He was one of those as well. People miss him when we're talking about the big heavyweights that have changed the game in the UK, but nobody should you know, downplay what Mr. Easy has done and the role he's played in bridging the gap and the collaborations he's had with the UK urban community. I think that was also pivotal uh, for for where we are now. And Brian has been real yeah, for some of these great. artists. Yeah. Um, and I saw that you are director for Mr. Olomide Oyedeji Foundation. Yeah, Youth Foundation. Yeah. Tell me more about that. That's one of my closest friends and probably lifesavers and you know and and just one of those tribe brothers we went to uh, secondary school together he was a jokester at secondary school someone that talks to people we just used to look at him like oh, this guy is just a bum man but he played basketball in school and it was nothing of it but from secondary school he grew to become an nba superstar uh he captained nigeria led us to the olympics he became one of the most iconic basketball players to ever come out of nigeria but he first is my friend mm. from secondary school like my ch if he was in this room he'd be slapping my head yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of person he is yeah. and you know he has a, a youth foundation that he's run for close to 20 years now developing young people working with young people in various countries around the world from the united states of america to japan to korea to nigeria and especially young troubled kids and he wanted to do the same thing in the uk going into the community in south london in peckham and and you know helping the young kids so i joined the uk arm of that as the director assisting in running that program where we have three days where we invite basketball coaches fitness coaches motivational speakers educational speakers just to come in and advise the young kids and tell them you know and, and try to get them to do something positive and change their lives uh, we, we we were lucky to work with the damilola taylor building uh, and stuff so that role is again it's just a reminder that you know no matter how successful or how far you think you've gone up the ladder you still have to reach down and give back and support and elevate others because no matter how high you attain or you get to in life the young up and coming the youth will surpass that height mm -hmm. and your job as a success is to ensure you prepare the grounds for other people to go above you the people that are coming behind you that's that's your number one job I love that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that also links to how you're not afraid to put other people on, yes. especially with the platform that you have. Yeah. Whether that's upcoming artists that yeah. you see that you think are dope, and yeah. you know, like the story that you just told us about yeah. Yemi Alide and how you got involved with her camp. Just yeah. being willing to share your platform, share your voice, share your influence, and impact someone else in their journey it's with important. what they're doing. It's important. It's, you know, what we haven't been taught this enough to say that whenever you impact someone coming up and someone on the rise, you're also putting them in a position that when your flame goes out, they can light it up for you again. Because when you might not be the hot guy or the hot girl, that put help that you've given them might have put them in a position where they can now say, you know what, my sister, there's another position for you right here for you to come and you know enjoy some of the benefits of helping me grow. We never, people have never taught us that.
that when you're letting people, putting people in positions and helping their careers to grow, you're also sowing a seed that one day could come back and help you. Instead of seeing everybody else's rise as, oh man, I'm just helping that person become a superstar. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, you know, what, what are they going to do for me? Nah, you're helping them, but they might one day be the ones to come back and impact your life. You know, when you see the hip-hop community, the Jay-Z's of this world, what they've managed to do is they have built a network of collaborators and business partners that they have uplifted at one point in time. Virgin Abloh is at Off-White and, and whatever. You know, this person is at Adidas and whatever. Now when Kanye West wants a deal, guess what? Virgil Abloh or whoever is not going to say no to him. Yeah, yeah. Jay-Z is is got art people that he's worked with that he's developed that has now become creative directors at Puma and whatever. Guess what? When Rock Nation decided they wanted to partner with a, a, a you know a trainer company, Puma was the first on the list to give them the deal. Why? Because he's got his mans in the most Inside. important decision there. That relationship. Those relationships are key. That's it. You know, that's it. There's a book called The Tanning of, of America. It's by this incredible guy, Steve Stout. You need to check it out. Steve Stout is one of the f most important um, black music execs in the history of America. However, he grew with Jay-Z. So they worked together from the beginning. And he's found himself in serious positions. He was the one that brought the sneaker deal to 50 Cent, the sneaker deal to Jay-Z. He's, mm. yes, because he became his brand specialist. But those are his guys that they uplifted together. So that's why I'm trying, I'm learning to do that a lot more because I know that as we uplift each other, we're also putting people in positions that we might one day benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. Um... There was two thoughts that just came to my mind. Mm. One, I feel like sometimes with my generation, um, there's been this narrative of I'm only going to help people who I know will benefit me yeah. um, and only for my benefit. Mm. And I'm not going to do anything yeah. that doesn't benefit me. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go above and beyond for people who have never helps me in any way yeah. which I don't I don't necessarily agree with and I don't think not everything has to be for your benefit Direct. for your profit it comes for your gain honestly speaking I think it comes from heartbreak it comes from people having invested in other people in the past and somehow have been let down by some of the people they've invested in mm. so that type of negative behavior will come as a result of that even though unacceptable can be understood you can understand why it's come however we've also or we should also teach people that most of the time the people you help might not be those to come back and help you yeah so when you're trying to elevate someone in their careers you're just doing the right thing with the position you have rather than expecting something to come back from that yeah yeah, and, and I think that's that's it. That, just that's do the, right that's thing. the bit that I think people forget that it's not always going to come back to you nah. in the way you expected it to. Nah, um, nah. And the good deeds that you do for the people won't always come back in the way you want them Did, to look nah. in the exact same way, whether it's monetary, whether it's the same exact favor they they did for you, but it may come back around in, to you in, in a, a different, different way. way. Do the right in, thing. Even if it's like five years down the line do, and do, not immediately. Once you do the right thing, it might even be something that they heard you had done for someone else. 
that will come back repaying you. Just yeah. because, oh, so you're not normal. That put my brother on on that podcast. Oh, shout outs, man. That that really helped my brother. And that alone could now come full circle with you being rewarded with something that you had done for someone that they heard about. Yeah. So it wasn't really directly to them, but it was something that inspired what they're doing. We just need to learn how to do the right thing whenever we're in position, put our people on. Uh, a lot of our people haven't had the opportunities and it is our job now with every access we have that we open the door and keep it open for other people to come through. Love that. Love that. Oh, where do we go from here? <laughs> You've just like dropped a gem right there. Okay. So I just wanted to ask you, I feel like the music industry is very fickle. Yes. And it's very fast paced. You know, you're hot. You're not hot the next minute. Yep. How do you... I think it's quite different because you're in a different position where you're yeah. not necessarily an artist, but you have a voice within that. Um, and I advise a, a couple of artists. So, yeah. yeah. But then what we've seen, especially with social media, is, you know, cancel culture. Yes. And yeah. everybody can get it. There's, <laughs> there's no one that's exempt. <laughs> Nobody. From being cancelled. Nobody exempts from being called out for yep. bad behaviour yep. or what um, onlookers. Yep. Or, you know, the, the commentators on yep. our screens, yep. what we would deem to be bad behavior that's unacceptable. And of course, you have a huge platform. Yeah. Does that ever like cross your mind? Like, you know, you could, I could say one tiny thing that yes. people don't like. Yeah. And I'm in hot water. It crosses my mind every single day. I've been blessed to have worked for, you know, government organizations and, you know, uh, national football organizations where I've gone through a whole lot of training and education to unlearn some of the, the the bad education that we had back in the days and and put me on what's acceptable nowadays and, and what's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I also continue to open myself to keep learning. I, I find out things every single day. And you just have to be very careful. First thing I say is this, whatever you want to say, do, Make sure you're not harming anybody. You're not disrespecting anybody's culture, physical disability, or just being blatantly disrespectful. If you put those four around, you're more than likely going to navigate well. You're not going to speak about people's ill health. You, 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 you're more than likely not going to speak about people's weight and heights. You're not going to speak about people's race. You're not going to speak about people's culture in a derogative manner. And once you, you have those ones, you at least walk, you know, the straight and narrow line most of the time. But again, things are moving fast. The world is changing. And what seems to be okay yesterday it's not okay today. It's a crime to go to jail for tomorrow. So you need to be up on game and know what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah. 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 And then be open to advice. You know, let other people tell you there's a comedian in Nigeria, super popular now. I followed him two years ago and he was just making gay jokes. And I just DM'd him and I said, even though you think it's okay, you're in Nigeria where it's acceptable, your dream is to become an international comedian where you travel the world and you're one of these successful stars. Having those type of views will lock those doors on you and you will never get to the heights that you wanted. Oh, and those doors will be shut today and forever. And I was just a fan. 
and just send that DM to him. He sent me his number. He thanked me. And that was it. And and I think until now, that's the last time I, I heard him crack any kind of weird jokes like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, yeah, you have to allow other people as well to tell you when, when it's not wrong. okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to be open to that. And, yeah. that, and that's what we should all do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so... We are going to move on to my game. You to cannot game. read these questions. The okay. oh, I, I can't see. My, okay. my, I, I, my eyesight's funny nowadays. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All right. So I'm about to play a game of this or that with Shopsy. Let's go. So are you ready? Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm so ready. I'm going to ask you a question and you have to pick one or the other. Don't overthink it. Whichever is the first answer that comes to you. So what if I feel both answers? There's nothing. I there's, can... there's nothing about both. It's God just one or the it. other. It's this or that. It's one of those. Isn't Are you ready? Okay. All right. Let's see what we can do. So, podcasting or live radio? Live radio. Nothing beats live. Okay. So, hosting a TV show or live concerts? Oh, live concerts. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> Instant energy is okay. incredible. This one, you're gonna have to be careful for your answer because people yeah. are gonna come for you. Yeah. Whiskey. Yeah. Or Burner Boy. It's going to be depending on what. You have to be more specific. Everything. Everything from everything. From from what? From music? live performance to music to their energy, them as people, just everything. It's, it's a different... Like that one, Burner Boy live performance is absolutely barnstorming. Whiskey as a superstar quality, incredible music from day one, untouchable. So it's it's the two different things. Okay, let's so go gonna... with the music. You you really try to be very. <laughs> you try to give me a political answer. because I'm a massive fan me. of both. I know you are, and a it's, it's very difficult. It's that very one, difficult. Whiskey or Burner Boy? Whiskey or Burner Boy? Music wise, if you had to okay, if you had to listen to one category forever, and you couldn't listen to the other person, who would you pick? Oh, forever. Yeah, that that's 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 gonna be whiz. Listen to forever because his catalog is ridiculous. But over the last two years, I've listened to a whole lot of Burner Boy. I'll be honest with you. A whole lot. Yeah. Since two thousand and nineteen, it's been a whole lot of Burner Boy. But forever it'll have to be Wiz. He's got the longer catalog. Okay, Wiz kid it is. Afrobeats or Amapiano. <laughs> Listen, Afro beats. Ama piano is hard, but it could be monotonous for an Afro beats fan. So yeah. if I'm at a club and I get a Ama piano DJ that's going in on the sounds and he does it for like 30, 40 minutes, after about 30, 40 minutes, I'm probably saying, oh, but do you have a burner? <laughs> or you have you know whiskey or something you know so yeah. I think Afrobeats for me okay and then the last one Dirty mm. December in Ghana or Dirty December in Nigeria ah oh, you're, you're violated <laughs> absolutely ridiculous question that is that question right there is is worthy of an investigation Dirty December in Ghana or Dirty December in Nigeria Dirty December in Nigeria is unlike anything anybody has experienced. Is lack of sleep, is party to party, is vibes indefinitely. Dirty December in Ghana, though, 
it's a different vibe. <laughs> Even though it's equally party to party, yeah. lack of sleep, but it's on a there's another type of holiday feel to it. Where yeah, you can do other stuff. But in Nigeria, the parties go so you can't do anything. You can't even see family in Dirty December Nigeria. Then there's no time for family. Ah, no time for family. No time for grandma. If grandma doesn't come and meet you where you are, <laughs> boy, you're going to be giving her a call at the airport when you're on your way back to England. So, uh, so grandma has to, has to come to with you to the club. I, I grandma, meet me at the club. <laughs> but if you're in Ghana, because of the better, um, even though there's still traffic in Accra, but it's nothing compared to Nigeria. Because of that, you might still be more confident in moving around and, and doing other stuff. Whereas in Nigeria, nah, man, you you wouldn't even want to try moving around like that. You could get stuck in that five-hour traffic and it's going to be a long time. So I am going for Nigeria. Okay. I have to be patriotic <laughs> on this one. <laughs> I expected that one. I expected that one. Oh, thank you very much for playing the game with me. No, thank you very much, man. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic job you're doing here. I think this is an amazing platform and you need to keep on doing that because like I said, it's only going to take one. It only takes one. <laughs> one to take Norma to the next level and Spotify and Apple are going to be making that phone making call saying... Calls. You know, we need Dreams and Money podcast on our platform. Here's that exclusive check. Get yourself a Bentley and let's go. I'm claiming it. I'm <laughs> claiming it right now. Thank you so much for joining me. Nah. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned so much from you. Um, and I think the audience are absolutely going to love this episode and getting to know you a bit more. Um, I feel like, yeah, we, we should do this again. We'll do it again. Absolutely. You're definitely coming on my podcast later. Yeah, oh, so, sure. oh, come on, man. You've got too much, you've got too much opinion <laughs> not to come back yes, on definitely. the show. Um, so make sure you go and check out the Afrobeats podcast yep. I was on the last episode yep. which was so funny hilarious with Rod Rance so make sure you check out that episode and all the previous episodes that you missed out because it's absolutely funny your podcast I love it yeah make sure um, you check it out so what can we look forward to from you well um, it's developing the podcast now we've got the news segment that we work that you've been on and you'll be coming on regularly but I'm also going to do a specialist segment now creating a different strain where we'll be speaking to specialists from all walks of life to speak to the Afro community, the black community about finances, health, about legal, family law, you know, all of that stuff, diets. We, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to that. So that's the next level of the podcast. So when you come on the platform, you would find something that interests you on that platform and you'll be able to watch, follow and learn. So make sure you check out the Afrobeats podcast on all social platforms. That's Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Follow us up and, and you know, give us a like, share and comment. You're going to like it. Hey, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And love it. yeah, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Dreams and Money podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe, listen to all the previous episodes. You're going to learn something. You're going to be inspired. And yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. Until the next time, we are out. It's peace now. out. <laughs>